Welcome back to another edition of NFL Study Hall. I'm your host, Cade Chumslin, and I'm going to keep it real with you guys. Last week, I got called up at the last second to start in a golf tournament for my school. So all of Friday night, I was packing and getting ready for that event. I had to get on a plane at like 7 a.m. the next morning. So, so I wasn't able to record last Friday. I did post up my uh, game picks on my Instagram story, so hopefully you guys were able to see that. Went 10-6 and six last week, so we're slowly getting better, trying. The goal this year was to make it above last year, which I believe was like 59%. So we're definitely going in the right direction. Uh, this week, we have our week two recap, and I want to do it a little bit differently this time. Instead of telling you like the storylines of the game and whatnot, which you guys can mostly find on the internet, um, I'm going to give you the quick game recap, and then I'm going to do a hot take for each team that played in the game, either for that game or what's going to happen the rest of the year. So, uh, just get just get ready. We got we're gonna have a fun we're gonna have a fun episode here today. A lot of hot takes, a lot of overreactions, whatever you want to call them. And some of these I might not 100 uh, percent agree with myself, but I think it's something bold taken. I think it's something for everyone to think about. So here we go. Let's just dive in. Thursday night football. The New York Giants took on the Washington football team in an absolute thriller. Final score of 29 to 30. Washington goes down on the final drive of the game. Dustin Hopkins misses the initial field goal. Well, then the Giants happen to jump off sides. Washington gets to kick the field goal again. They make it to win by one. Overreaction. Are the Giants out of the NFC East now falling to 0-2? Yes, I completely think they are. Uh, The Giants have not been playing giant football in my opinion it's been too much on Daniel Jones even though he had a great game in this last one he's still the lead carrier or not lead carrier but lead rusher in yards for the team nine carries 95 yards and a touchdown in this last game he had another 40 yard touchdown that got called back from penalty but Saquon Barkley has definitely not lived up to the expectations we thought he was going to be it's been mainly uh, Daniel Jones uh, this offensive line has been absolutely atrocious. Their defense hasn't really stepped up lately. With great play that I've been seeing from the Dallas Cowboys, Washington football team, and Philadelphia Eagles, I think the New York Giants, now at 0-2 for the fifth consecutive year, are completely out of the NFC East this early. For the Washington football team, my question would be, is Heineke the future of this team? And I would say he is. I think he's been playing great. He's gone 34. He went 34 46 in this last game, 336 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, but he really has proved himself. We saw him come in last game and put a fight up against the Chargers. He went into the playoffs last year, almost beat the eventual Super Bowl champs. So Heineke has definitely proven himself. We'll see what. Uh, what Coach Ron Rivera wants to do once Matthew uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick gets healthy. But if it's up to me, and if Heineke keeps this play going, I think he is the future of this team. Next up, going to the Sunday slate. The Cincinnati Bengals and the Chicago Bears. Bears pull this one out 20-17. to Joe Burrow throwing three interceptions back-to-back-to-back to back to back late in this one. 
Justin Fields has to come in late as well to sub in for the injured Andy Dalton. Final score of 17 to 20. Overreaction, is Justin Fields ready for Sunday? He has been named the starting quarterback against the Cleveland Browns because of Andy Dalton's injury. And is he ready for this? My answer is no, but I do think the Bears should start him. Just throw him into the fire. I mean, this isn't really a topic anymore considering they've already said to start him, but there was a lot of questions about whether we're going to start Folds or Fields. Folds or Fields, and I think definitely start Fields. Just He's going to be playing one of the toughest defenses in the AFC. I say just throw him in there, see what he can do. He has not proven himself lately. He's only thrown for 70 yards and an interception, which he had last week. He only went 6 for 13. So quarterback throwing-wise, I still don't think he's there. But I think this will be a great test, and I don't trust Nick Foles that enough. Cincinnati Bengals. Is Burrow already a bust? I mean, three interceptions in this game loses to a not a terribly difficult Chicago Bears team, although I will say their defense has been solid. Um, I would wait on Burrow. I don't think he's a bust quite yet, but with the play we saw from last year, and I thought he had a great game last week, so I'm not going to say three interceptions is going to uh, deem him as a bust, but I will say that he needs to get his act together and he needs to start pulling in these games and making something happen. Otherwise, his team's going to fall very behind in a very tough division. Moving right along, the Los Angeles Rams and the Indianapolis Colts. Great battle in this one, guys. Two solid defenses, two solid offenses. Final score of 27 to 24 in favor of the Los Angeles Rams. This game was played in Indianapolis. Matthew Stafford had a solid day of 19 for 30, 278 yards, two touchdowns, one interception still. Obviously found his new favorite target in Cooper Cup, who had nine receptions, 163 yards, and two touchdowns just in this game. He's now in third in total yards at 271 yards. For the Colts, uh, Carson Wentz actually went down early in, uh, late in this one. I'm sorry, Carson Wentz goes down late in like the second to last drive. Jacob Eason has to come in. He throws an interception on his second play, and the Indianapolis Colts eventually lose. Otherwise, Wentz I think had a great day of 20 for 31, 247, a touchdown and an interception. Overreactions. Are the Colts out of the NFC South? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think that if Carson Wentz can come back healthy, his status for Sunday is still unknown, but this defense is still solid. We've seen other teams in this division struggling. Tennessee pulled off a great win against the Seahawks this week. Uh, Texans are still there at 1-1. Jacksonville is not even a threat. Uh, So the Colts definitely have time to come back. They still haven't played anybody from their own division. So I think they'll be looking uh, just fine. Jonathan Taylor really hasn't said anything yet about uh, what he's uh, capable of, and I think this is still a solid defense. So no, uh, Colts are definitely not out of the AFC South. Are the Rams the second best team in the NFC? Yes, I think they are. I think it goes Bucks than Rams. I wouldn't put the Packers up there. I think Los Angeles has a way better defense and a way more consistent offense. I know that we have Aaron Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones on the other side. But what I've seen from Los Angeles is consistent, solid play. I saw it from them last year when they had Jared Goff. Now they've got Matthew Stafford, who's 100 times better. 
and I think this team is 100 times better. So outside of Tampa Bay, I think the Rams are the team to beat in the NFC. Next up, the New England Patriots versus the New York Jets. Final score of 25-6. to Mac Jones had a very clean game, unlike Zach Wilson, who throws four interceptions in this one. When he threw his fourth interception, he had as many completions as he did interceptions. That's a bad stat, guys. On the other hand, New England Patriots got off to a hot start. We're up by 10 going into halftime, and they had just completed their 41st consecutive win when leading by double digits after the first two quarters, which is the NFL's longest active streak. So once the Patriots are out early, they can stay out there, and I think with Mac Jones, they're certainly capable of doing that. Um, But let's just get into the overreactions. Was Zach Wilson worth it as the number two overall pick? I don't think he was. Um, I've been saying this kind of most of the year that Mac Jones, I, in my opinion, was the best quarterback out of that draft class. Zach Wilson, we have not seen very many good players come out of the BYU non-Power 5 uh, system, especially at the quarterback spot. I just haven't been. He just didn't really have as much competition. I know he absolutely blew everyone out of the water who he was playing. But in the NFL, it's been proven, it's been shown that the big dog power five teams really just produce the best quarterbacks and the ones that are pocket pocket passers seem to do the best. And Mac Jones, I felt like got all of those descriptions and he has been playing very clean football. Zach Wilson throws his fifth interception of the year after two games. I think they definitely can wait on him and he definitely possibly has a future, but what I've seen right now, he was not worth it at number two. For the Patriots, was Mac Jones worth it? The exact same question, I say absolutely yes. He fits this Bill Belichick system perfectly. Uh, Going from Nick Saban to Bill Belichick is basically their brothers, in my opinion. They think the exact same way. They coach the exact same way. Mac Jones is in the perfect situation. His team is healthy. He's healthy. Patriots just have to work together, I think, a little bit more. Otherwise, they'll be looking very, very competitive in in the AFC East. Next up, the Houston Texans and the Cleveland Browns. A close one for most of this game. Texans actually had a lead of 14-7 in the second quarter before Tyson uh, Tyrod Taylor uh, goes down and the Cleveland Browns score 17 unanswered and win 31-21. I was very impressed by both these teams. One for Cleveland uh, coming back and really sticking together and pulling this one out. For the Houston Texans, just staying in this one. Solid offense in the first half. Not too shabby of defense as well. They have had five turnovers this year, which is second in the NFL, and has tied the franchise record for most turnovers in the first two games, something that we did not do at all last year. Only eight total turnovers last year. We're already at five this year. Overreactions. Can the Texans compete in the AFC South? I'm going to say no, they can't. Even though they have put up some really good fights, they win last week over Jacksonville. They put up a great game against Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns. But we saw how Tennessee looked this week. I still think Indianapolis is dominant, and the Texans just have a hard time with the Colts. They'll beat the Jacksonville Jaguars again, I think, and maybe one or two other games. When you're talking about competitive in this division, Tennessee's just too good. Indianapolis is just too good. I don't think there's a competitive game going on in the AFC South with the Houston Texans in it. For the Cleveland Browns, 
I don't have a hot take on them right now. I want to wait because I'm going to talk about them and their hot take when we get to the Baltimore Ravens, who had a great game against the Kansas City Chiefs. So stand by on that one. The San Francisco 49ers took on the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia and won 17-11. Very low-scoring game, lot of gr- lots of great defenses, lots of great three-and-outs. And Jimmy G had a solid game. Jalen Hurts struggled early on, did great in the rush, rush attack, 10 carries, 82 yards, and a touchdown. But for, for San Francisco, the hot stat so far has been Debo Samuel coming out on fire. He had another six receptions for 93 yards. That puts him at the lead, le- league-leading 282 yards, also had a touchdown the previous week. So Samuel has definitely put himself as the number one wide receiver in San Francisco. But the question right now that I have is when should Trey come in? Jimmy G obviously is a solid quarterback. Had a great game in this last one, 22 of 30, 189 yards and a touchdown. But I feel like this San Francisco 49ers team is going to have to be able to put up more than 17 points when it comes to playing an NFC East type of team. So the big question in everyone's mind is when does Trey Lance come into the game? My answer is week five against the Arizona Cardinals. Upcoming, you've got the Green Bay Packers next week. It's just going to be a tough challenge. And you've got the Seattle Seahawks after that. You need to put up a bunch of points, so I'd say stick with Jimmy G. But the Arizona Cardinals are known for having a weaker defense. Um, and your defense in San Francisco can, hold, can, I think, hold up with Arizona's offense. I know they have the second most points per game so far in two weeks, but Kyler Murray has mishandled the football several times now. And I think San Francisco can take advantage of that, can give pressure to Kyler Murray, has the secondary to hang with the wide receivers. So I think that defense is going to be able to hang with them. And that's when I think you can experiment with Trey Lance a little bit and really see if he's capable of going against an Arizona type of defense. Because if Jimmy G does not great in these next two games, that's when I feel like you should put him in. If if Garoppolo does fantastic against Green Bay and maybe wins, and then against San Seattle and maybe wins, then I'd stick with Garoppolo. But if you go 0-2 these next two games because Garoppolo can't make it happen, Arizona, I think, is the time to put him in. For the Philadelphia Eagles, are they competitive in the a- in the NFC East? I think they are. The Dallas Cowboys are currently sitting at 1-1. One one. Washington football team, 1-1. One one. Philadelphia Eagles, 1-1. One one. They're all three right there. And with the defense I've seen them put up, with the offense I know they're capable of, they've scored Heck, 32 against the Atlanta Falcons held the San Francisco 49ers to only 17. They can put it all together against one of their own divisional opponents. They can definitely be competitive in the NFC East. Next up, one of the most talked about games on Sunday, the Las Vegas Raiders hand it to the Pittsburgh Steelers 26-17 in Pittsburgh. Derek Carr had another fantastic game, 28 of 37, 382 yards, and two touchdowns, which puts him right now in the lead for league uh, total yards at 817, almost 130 points ahead of the next quarterback, Kyler Murray. Carr has really shown himself through the air. His team has been doing fantastic on the defensive end, especially in the second half. Pittsburgh offense truly struggled in this one. 
Big Ben, 27 of 40, 295, one touchdown, one interception. But Najee Harris, man, the hype that this man had coming in and the disappointment we've had with him, I know he had a bad offensive line, but he went 10 carries for only 38 yards. And I'm not sure who to say Harris has to do better or that the offensive line has to do better. I think it's personally both. But the overreactions I've got are, are the Raiders this good? I mean, they're in the division with the Chiefs, the Chargers, the 2-0 Broncos, and we and they've beaten two fantastic teams so far in the Ravens and the Steelers. But are they this good in the long-term effect? I would say no. Uh, this happened very similarly last year when the Raiders scored 34 points against both the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints on Monday Night Football. They ended up losing their next two games and going 8-8 eight and eight on the season and missing the playoffs. They've done very similar things here so far. They've got still a tough road ahead. Their whole division, I think, is fantastic. So the Raiders right now are going to have to show me more. You know what I'm saying? Pittsburgh Steelers, I don't think, are that good. Yes, they have their insane defense, but their offense, their offensive line is worse they never really changed up any of their outside weapons. Big Ben is looking like he's declining. Is he out of it? I don't think so, but definitely on the decline. And their offensive line is one of the worst in the league. So the Raiders had a great game. It's definitely not as big as their previous win against the Ravens, but nonetheless, they're 2-0 and right now, and they're headed into the weekend on a very, very steep momentum. Pittsburgh Steelers, are they done? Are they out of the playoffs? Are they not even competitive in their division? Yes. I'd say the Pittsburgh Steelers are done. Their offense, I just mentioned all their weaknesses. Their defense is solid but not great. Now they've lost their first game of the year against the, against the Las Vegas Raiders at home. I think the Steelers are done. That that whole entire division in the AFC West is stacked. You see the um, New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills over there in the AFC East. I don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers will make the playoffs or compete in their division. The Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. After the Buffalo Bills lost shockingly to the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one, they traveled down to Miami and just destroy the Dolphins 35-0. to Yes, Tua went out with a rib injury early in this game and just Jacoby Brissett had to come in at, the, at a moment's notice. I think the Buffalo Bills definitely took advantage of that. But everything, everything, everything looked better for the Bills. Allen looked better. Singletary looked better. Diggs looked better. The defense looked better. They were putting pressure on the quarterback, making plays happen. Had an interception against Brissett in this one as well. It was basically the Buffalo Bills picking on their little brother. They got back to solid Bills football and really put a solid game together. My question for the Bills, though, is are they the second best team in the AFC behind the Kansas City Chiefs? I would say maybe. It's hard to tell. The three teams behind the Kansas City Chiefs, even though the Baltimore Ravens did just beat them, I'd say Cleveland, Baltimore, and the Buffalo Bills are all tied, in my opinion, in second place behind the Kansas City Chiefs. That's where I think they all are right now. I don't think either one has really shown themselves. They're all sitting at one and one including the Kansas City Chiefs. They're all sitting at 1-1 one one right now, including the Kansas City Chiefs, but out of the four, I think Kansas City is definitely better. And then those three 
We'll see how the Cleveland Browns and Baltimore Ravens do against each other when they play in the next couple of weeks. But the Buffalo Bills, I think, are tied for second. They'll definitely win their division, no problem with that, but tied for second in the AFC. For the Miami Dolphins, are they out of it? A lot of people had this team as a solid seventh round, seventh uh, seventh team in the AFC playoff race, and I'd say they are. Even if Tua comes back healthy, he hasn't looked like a professional quarterback. He's still looking like a rookie. He's still looking skittish. He's not stepping up in the pocket and making these throws happen. And I know he didn't play most of this game, but we saw it in week one where they barely beat the Patriots. Beginning of week two, we saw the same exact thing. I know he's got Will Fuller coming in, but he's been ruled out for week week three. Jacoby Brissett's going to have to come in and make something happen, and I don't think he's much better than Tua. So I think the Dolphins will lose next week as well, and they're going to just gonna fall faster and faster behind the Patriots and the Bills and the other dominant teams I've seen in the AFC come out. So sadly, even though with that incredible defense that is still putting up turnovers, I think the Miami Dolphins are officially out of the AFC playoff race. Next up, the Carolina Panthers versus the New Orleans Saints. And the Carolina Panthers pull out another outstanding victory, destroying the Saints, in my opinion, 26-7. to McCaffrey had another solid game. This defense has come out spectacularly at the beginning of the year. I had a buddy of mine ask me the other day, what do you think of the Panthers? And I said, I still don't know. The Carolina Panthers have drafted all defensive players. They've traded for a lot of great offensive guys, but the defensive men have never really come, I want. I don't want to say into maturity, but they haven't gotten enough experience to come together as a unit because they've all been rookies, right? Now, in their second and third years, I think this defense is truly stepping up I still want to see what happens when they play a better team. Yes, I know they played the Saints, who destroyed the Packers. But Jameis Winston played like old Jameis Winston. 11 for 22, 111 yards, and two interceptions. That's the Jameis Winston I know. And he came out this week against the Carolina Panthers. Looked like the Saints were underprepared. Panthers took advantage of it. Sam Darnold's been looking pretty good. McCaffrey's been doing doing McCaffrey's thing. So... The hot take for the Panthers, for me, is that they are still the worst team in the in the NFC South. I know they're sitting at 2-0. I know they're sitting second in the division. But the Saints right now, I think, are a better team overall if Jameis Winston actually gets his act together and this team prepares correctly. The Atlanta Falcons have, tro- have dropped two games, one unexpectedly to the Philadelphia Eagles and one destroyed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is expected. But the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons took on each other. I think it would be a shootout of offenses that the Falcons would probably take over. So I still think the Carolina Panthers are the worst team. This one's a good hot take in the the NFC South. For the Saints, my hot take is that they will live and die by Jameis Winston. When Jameis Winston has a fantastic game like he did last week, they will prevail. When he doesn't, they will surely fall. The The Saints' defense is solid. They will be 100% consistent, but this defense or but this offense is going to 
go up and down because of Jameis Winston. And I think that offense will ultimately lead to W's and L's for the Saints, especially with the division in they are in and the conference they're in as well. I thought the Carolina Panthers would be no problem for the Saints. I was surely wrong. And Jameis Winston's stats reflected how the overall game went. So I think the Saints overall, it's basically a gambling gambling game with what Jameis Winston will do that week. Going back to the AFC West, the Denver Broncos take down the Jacksonville Jaguars 23-13. Lawrence with another two interceptions that puts him at five interceptions on the year. Teddy Bridgewater with another solid game, 26 of 34, 328 yards and two touchdowns. Cortland Sutton also had a breakout game with nine receptions and 159 yards. The Denver Broncos defense is surely solid. We all knew their secondary would be dangerous. Hot take for the Broncos is the same hot take that I had for the Las Vegas Raiders, which is, are they this good? And I'm going to say no. You take down easy teams like the Giants and the Jaguars. I think those are two of the top three teams in the next NFL draft. So I think the Broncos still have yet to prove anybody solid. But I think this gives them a great opportunity to bond together as a team. There's a lot of new players here. Their defense has really stuck together. But Bradley Chubb's going to be out this upcoming weekend, although they are still playing the New York Jets, so it's another easy team that I can work together with. Overall, once they start playing their own division and other better teams in the AFC, I think we'll see the Denver Broncos really teeter out kind of around the 500 mark for the year. For the Jacksonville Jaguars, was Lawrence a bust? It's the same for Zach Wilson. He's got almost the exact same stat line as Zach Wilson. I said Lawrence was not going to be as good as Mac Jones or even Justin Fields at that mark, but he is the franchise QB. Wait it out. See if he gets better. I would not panic if I were a Jaguars fan at this point, but I would definitely, definitely be concerned. The Minnesota Vikings and the Arizona Cardinals had a thriller out in the desert. Final score of 33-34 score fest. Kirk Cousins, Kyler Murray going back and forth all game. It came down to a game-winning field goal that the Vikings missed as time ran out. So the Cardinals were able to win by one. But this was a solid, solid game by both teams. Both defenses had turnovers. Both offenses had scores. Both quarterbacks played great. And I think this was just an amazing, fun football game. Before the Arizona Cardinals, I'm going to say they are still the worst team in the NFC West. That is a huge hot take at the moment. But hear me out. The Rams. I said they're the second best team in the NFC. Their defense, their offense, I think are both better than Arizona. We got that. San Francisco. Defense will do better against Kyler Murray. Murray had two interceptions in this game against Minnesota, and one of them went back for a pick six. I think more of that type of stuff is going to happen against the San Francisco 49ers. This Cardinals defense is good, but you allowed 33 to the Vikings. And I think the San Francisco 49ers have equally as many weapons over there, too. So I think it would also be a score fest in which the defense for San Francisco would prevail. For the Seattle Seahawks, as of right now, their offense and their defense are just as good as the Cardinals. 
And I think the Seattle Seahawks can get off to a faster start than the Cardinals and would be able to hold them off. I think they're just as good as everyone in the division, but if I were to rank them right now, it would go Rams, 49ers, Seahawks, Cardinals. For the Vikings, this isn't necessarily a hot take, but I'm going to start calling these Vikings the Minnesota Murphys. If something bad or good will go right, then it will happen. You look at the last couple field goals they've missed that happened in big games. The last one was this last week, five years, uh, six or seven years ago. Uh, they had their game-winning field goal against Seattle miss from about 27 yards. Then they had the Minnesota Miracle, which no one thought they were able to pull off, and then they did. Now they have another game-winning field goal, and they lose. If it's bad or if it's good, what will happen will happen. The They're the most luckiest and unluckiest team I've ever seen in almost any sports, honestly. I don't even know what to think of this team anymore. I think they're Roster-wise, it's fantastic. Their talent is unbelievable. You put up 33 points against Arizona. They're a really solid football team, but luck is either on their side or it's not. Sticking with the Sunday afternoon games, the Atlanta Falcons took on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa. Final score of 25-48. to Brady with another five-touchdown game in this one. He's been absolutely dominant this year so far. The Falcons dropped to 0-2 this year after losing to the Eagles and now the Bucks, and it kind of lends into my hot take. These guys are the most disappointing football team so far in the NFL. A team that on paper looks fantastic, and they haven't really had, they haven't gotten anything going on offense truly. They've tr- They've been struggling on defense so far. A team that I thought was going to be competitive in this game against Tampa, not anymore after what they did to the Eagles, but Matt Ryan had another three-interception game. Mike Davis only carried the ball nine times for 38 yards. It's too much of gone. Too much of this has gone on Matt Ryan. He hasn't been able to step up. I'm worried about the where the Falcons are going, especially with how easy a schedule they're going to have, with how good the NFC West looks. I mean, I don't know that West. Would can more likely, more than likely, take all three spots in the NFC playoff race. I'm very curious to see what happens there. My hot take for the Bucks: Tom Brady will win the touchdown quarterback race. He's already thrown eight in the first two games, three last week, five this week, and I think he's not really going to stop. Although Tampa Bay has a run attack. Everything flies through the air in Tampa on the Bay. It took Brady a little bit last year to get warmed up with his receivers. Now he's got them. Now he's locked in. Their offensive line looks great. I think he's just going to keep doing what he's doing and going to get, especially with this new uh, schedule and an extra game, I think he could honestly get pretty close to the overall NFL record. Only setback so far is that Antonio Brown just got on the COVID-19 list, so he will not play in the Bucks next game, even though I don't think it will make a huge of a difference um, on Sunday. The Dallas Cowboys took on the Los Angeles Chargers in SoFi Stadium and was able to pull it out with a 56-yard field goal by Greg Zerline with time running out to win 20-17 to in L.A. 
This was another hard-fought battle. Both defenses played extremely well against both against two uh, very good offenses. For the Dallas Cowboys, my hot take, they will win the NFC East. I've said a lot of teams will be competitive in the NFC East, but the Cowboys have shown me against a great game at the Bucks. now at the Chargers. They go on to win against Justin Herbert. Their defense has looked solid. Prescott has looked good. Ezekiel Elliott, I'm still worried about, but Tony Pollard had over 100 yards and a touchdown in this one as well. So maybe there's a dual running back association there. For the Chargers, I'll say this. They are still the second best team in the AFC West. Although they are 1-1 one one sitting in last compared to the Chiefs, Broncos, and Raiders, if the Chargers were to go head-to-head against either the Raiders or the Broncos, I still think they'd win. The Chargers have played two amazing defenses from the NFC West, NFC East, as we have seen. And I still think there is potential for him. This defense has done fantastic. Uh, the Cowboys only scoring 20 points after they play the Buccaneers and almost score 30. The fact that the Chargers were able to hold them to that many is fantastic. So I, I, I truly think in my heart that the Chargers are right behind the Chiefs in that division even though the numbers say otherwise. Overall, this team has done what I'd hoped they would do with the overall balance, but turnovers hurt them in this game. Justin Herper got a little bit sloppy with the ball, but also penalties. Los Angeles had 12 flags for a total of 99 yards and a pair of touchdowns that were called back. So, a lot of penalties in this game for the Chargers that they can clean up. But overall, talent-wise and as a team effort, I think the Chargers are the second-best team in the AFC West. Only three more games left, and they were some fun ones. We had the Tennessee Titans versus the Seattle Seahawks that went into overtime. Final score of 33-30 to in favor of the Titans. In the fourth quarter, the Titans were down 16-30 to at one point. Derrick Henry basically takes over this one, scores two touchdowns in the fourth to get his team back in it. I mean, Henry was just a legend in this one. That's all I have to say. Henry had 35 carries for 182 yards and three touchdowns. This is the type of offense that I expected Tennessee to use last week, and they didn't. They really stressed throwing the ball and not as much running the ball. They ran the ball this game. Especially when they were down in the fourth quarter, they basically just say, here, Henry, get us a W. And he did. And that's what he does. That is his game, right? So in my opinion, hot take, Derrick Henry should be on the same level as Marshawn Lynch in conversation. When you talk about elite power running backs, everyone likes to talk about the explosiveness of Marshawn Lynch. Derrick Henry is officially on that level. In his young career in the NFL, Marshawn could be is a veteran and his numbers, he's third right now in overall Tennessee Titans rushing touchdowns. He's not that far away from first. He might even break it this year. Henry is on the same level of Marshawn Lynch when it comes to explosive running backs in the NFL. Over to the Seahawks. They played a really good game in this one. Again, got off to an early lead, which is what they're known for. Defense kind of struggled in the running 
rushing defense in this one. But from but what I saw from the Seahawks is that they have the greatest dual wide receiver group in the NFL. Lockett had 178 yards in this last competition. DK Metcalf had another 53. Tampa Bay has the best overall receiving core because they have so many of them. But when you were when you're just going to pick two of them, I don't think you can pick two that would match up against DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. Those two are just I think they're the best. I think they're better than AJ Brown, Julio Jones. I think they're better than Mike Evans and Antonio Brown. I think they have the whole field to to work with in speed, in size, in strength. Will Russell Wilson has the greatest receiving group. Not greatest receiving group. Russell Wilson has the greatest wide receiver pairing in Metcalf and Lockett in the NFL. Sunday Night Football, Chiefs and Ravens. Now, because I had to go to my golf tournament, I wasn't really able to watch any of the Sunday day games because I was on the course. When I got back, I watched Chiefs versus Ravens from the first, from right when Tyron Matthew had his pick six. I turned it on for the replay and I watched the whole game through. And guys, it was one of the greatest football games I've ever witnessed in my life. This was classic NFL hardcore football. We had everything in this game. We had a pick six. We had jump throwing touchdowns. We had bombs. We had rushing touchdowns from quarterbacks. We had defensive fumbles. We had it all. In fact, when Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumbled that ball in the fourth quarter when they were going for their game-winning field goal, I literally got on the hotel bed and I said, I've seen it all. I have seen it all. 36-35 to in favor of the Ravens. The Kansas City Chiefs had this game in the bag the entire tire away. In fact, they were up 35-24 to going into the final quarter, and the Ravens held the Kansas City Chiefs from scoring a single point in the fourth quarter, which I don't know what the statistic on that is, but that's got to be some kind of a record. The Kansas City Chiefs drop their first game in September in Patrick Mahomes' career, also forcing Mahomes' first interception in the month of February. All of those statistics they were putting up about the month of February for Patrick Mahomes all got destroyed when Lamar Jackson took on the Kansas City Chiefs Sunday night. Jackson, after throwing those two picks early on, he eventually threw 239 yards, one touchdown, but had 107 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. That puts him third right now. Yes, as a quarterback, he's third in rushing yards with 193 rushing yards. This was the hardest I've ever seen the Baltimore Ravens football team play. They were down 7 or 14 or 10 points all game long, and they scratched and they dive and they clawed every single point and down. My friend looked at me and he goes, every play mattered in this game. And it did. There was no gimmies. There were no drives that you just wanted to wave away. Every single snap, you were on the edge of your seat seeing if the Ravens could come back. And they did it. And they did it in dramatic fashion. That last play was absolutely unbelievable. So my hot take for the Ravens, I've kind of already hinted at it. But they are on the same level as the Buffalo Bills and the Cleveland Browns. Everyone's kind of been hyped. 
and again, I'm kind of repeating myself, but I, I think it's, it's insane to mention how I had very clearly on my list Buffalo, Cleveland, Ravens, and now they have all tied themselves up as the three greatest teams outside of the Kansas City Chiefs, even though the Ravens now have shown that the Chiefs are beatable, especially in a primetime game. For the Chiefs, even though they lost, I'm going to predict they will win their next game by 20 points. This is not a game they wanted to lose. Even though they struggled in the second half, they were also fighting very hard to win this game, and it looked like they were at the very last second. But they're going to come out next game against the Los Angeles Chargers swinging. They almost lost both their games last year to the Chargers, losing the second one because they didn't play all their starters. But the first game, they took a last-second drive to win as well. The Chiefs will not let that game be close. That is going to be a blowout. Andrew Reid's going to come out. They might even score 45 points. I know I like the Chargers, but I don't like a Kansas City Chief team that is angry for losing in September. Finally, on Monday Night Football, we had Aaron Rodgers, a very, very kind of speculated Aaron Rodgers going against the Detroit Lions. Everyone kind of figured the Packers would win, although it took them a while to get there. Halftime score was 17-14 to in favor of the Lions. Final score is 17-35 to in favor of the Packers. Aaron Jones had four overall touchdowns, one on the ground, three in the air by Rodgers. So the Aarons basically blew up this game. But Rodgers did what he needed to do. He silenced all the doubters. He silenced all of the opinions. And he showed that he is still here. He wants to win. And he said it felt good uh, to get all the critics off his back. Are the Packers still the number one team in the NFC North? Absolutely. Can they compete in the playoffs? Yes. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But I will say that they will not make an NFC championship game. I don't want to say when they'll lose or what will happen. Because I'm I'm not there confidently in my predictions. But I think I like the teams in the NFC West more than I like the Green Bay Packers. For the Lions... I said they would go 1-16. They have put up two amazing fights against the 49ers and Packers. I say they win three games. They've got some easy teams coming up. They've got the Bears, they've got the Vikings, and they've got some other teams in the NFC that I think they can compete with. The Lions have shown me a lot that they've got grit and they want to win, even though it seems like they're the worst in the NFC. The Lions will eventually win three games in 2021. All right, guys. Well, I apologize for missing last week. I'm getting you guys hooked up this week. Don't forget to like and subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts and on social media as well. I will promise do a Friday predictions episode. We went 10 and 7 last week, guys. We're getting better. We are moving closer to the overall goal of over 60%. Let's see what happens on Friday night. Talk to you guys then. Peace out.